0: Colossians 3, beginning at verse 1, the Apostle writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." Here there is no Greek or Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sisters and brothers in our Lord Jesus Christ, when I was in my first year of university in Michigan, I got a phone call one day from my brother in Texas. My brother called me because he had heard a message in chapel at his high school earlier that day at the Christian school that we grew up in that bothered him. The speaker that week was a youth pastor, which was pretty common at our high school chapels, And this youth pastor shared his testimony, which was also a very common kind of rhythm at our high school chapels. And this youth pastor's testimony was about how when he was in school, he wanted to be an artist. He wanted to be a painter. And he wanted to paint and create beautiful art for the world. But God was telling him. be a youth pastor. And he didn't want to be a youth pastor, so he pursued his lifelong dream of being an artist. But God blocked him at every turn, frustrated his career plans, and continually pressed on this young man's heart that he was called to be a youth pastor. And this young man found himself more and more unhappy with his life, more and more unsatisfied with himself as God closed door after door after door until in great frustration he gave up and reluctantly became a youth pastor like God wanted him to. God had brought him kicking and screaming into his call. And this bothered my brother a lot. My brother wanted to be a drummer when he was in high school. He was a very good drummer. And he definitely did not want to go into ministry. But this chapel talk left him with this sinking feeling that God might just be that cruel. That even though my brother wanted to be a drummer, if God wanted him to go into ministry... If God had laid that call on his life, God might frustrate and actively sabotage his opportunities until he gave up and became a pastor against his will. My brother didn't end up becoming a drummer. He didn't end up becoming a pastor either. He actually just two weeks ago got his PhD in neuroscience and is working for a research firm and he loves it. When you get him talking about his research, he starts to speak a language that I barely understand, talking about neurotransmitters and synapses and gyrification and interconnectivity. I don't know. I don't know what those things are, but it's amazing to watch him talk about them because he is filled with joy when he talks about those things. And it is amazing to rejoice in his joy, even though sometimes I don't understand a word he's saying. I would would be comfortable saying that God made my brother for scientific research. I would be comfortable saying that God called my brother to be a neuroscientist. And it's an interesting thing, though, because... While we often talk about God's call in Christian circles when we're talking about the work of pastors or the work of missionaries, we don't often talk about God's call for careers that we maybe think of as not as sacred, not as divine. I mean, not everybody gets a master's of divinity to do their work, right? We don't usually talk about God calling people to be bankers or electricians or truck drivers, even though we use the language of vocation to talk about our work, which is a word that comes from the Latin vocare, which means to call. It's where we get the the root for the words like voice and vocal, vocare, vocation, our call. Our vocation, our work, as we understand it from a Christian perspective, is a calling from God. It is what God has called, equipped, gifted us to do. And in the Reformed tradition, we especially emphasize the reality that all work is work that we are called to do by God. We don't believe that God has a ranking of important work and unimportant work any more than he has a ranking of important Christians and unimportant Christians or important churches and unimportant churches. God created us to work, to partner with him in the care of his creation and the flourishing of his world. Work is a gift from God, a call from God, and it is a service that we offer to God. There is a God-given nobility, dignity to human labor. Whether that work is preaching the gospel or raising kids, mopping floors or running a company, laying concrete or picking up trash, caring for the sick or managing people's investments, volunteer or paid, public sector or private, our work is a call from God. The American author and educator, Parker Palmer, has a whole book on vocation called Letting Your Life Speak. It's a wonderful title. Letting Your Life Speak. Listening for the voice of vocation. And in this book, which is written especially for young people trying to figure out what to do with their lives, Palmer encourages us to create space in our lives to listen to what he calls our inner voice. The first step in discerning what God is calling you to do is to create space in your life to listen, to reflect. And then, in that quiet space, we can begin to ask the deep questions with an ear For God's voice in our hearts. What gifts has God given you? What passions has God placed on your heart? How has God been forming and shaping you throughout your life? Why has God placed you here now? And what does he want you to do with the things he has given you? Big questions. But the reality of the world that we live in, with its constant distractions and noise, is that the inner voice of the Spirit in our hearts gets drowned out. We are bombarded every day with messages from every angle, from social media, from the news, from television, from friends, from blogs and magazines, and every other source of information that you could imagine. Sometimes it seems as though we have to process more information in a day than people used to have to process in their entire lifetimes. And the underlying message that we so often come to believe in this non-stop world of information is that the world is so big and so complicated and there are such major things going on, so many major problems, that we really don't matter. That God doesn't care about our work, about our life. In the grand scheme of things, we are really very small. Our lives don't matter, our work doesn't matter. It's just something we do to put bread on the table. And so for young people, especially, trying to figure out what to do with your lives is so hard. You are all surrounded by so many voices and so many expectations, different expectations. And so many of those expectations don't have anything to do with who you are as a unique person that God has created for a purpose how God has gifted you, what God is calling you to do, who God is calling you to be. So many of the voices speaking into your lives are trying to fit you into a category, to fit you into a box, to put you in a slot. Society places so many requirements on you that you never have time or space for silence, no place to reflect on what God has made you to be. And it's hard to see your own gifts because we don't recognize our own gifts. They're just a part of who we are. They're just a part of who God made you to be. And so you don't notice them any more than you notice your heart pumping blood or your stomach digesting your food. They're just a part of who you are. The world seems so big and we seem so small. Sometimes it can seem like the whole world is just a big machine. And this big machine is asking for you to figure out where you fit. Are you a cog or are you a screw or are you a belt or are you a hinge? And if you don't figure it out in time, you're just gonna be the stuff that the machine chews up and spits out like garbage. The New York Times had an opinion piece a number of years ago in which the author kind of mocked all of the autobiographies that were being published that year. Autobiographies of celebrities and debutantes of reality TV stars and political hopefuls and sports players. Many of these autobiographies, stories of a person's life, were written by people under the age of 30. And one statistic that this author put out there, apparently to show how self centered and ridiculous most people th- thought they were, was that 70% of people believed that their life story was worth telling. 70% of people believed that their life story was worth other people reading. In a letter to the editor, The next week, one reader pointed out that this statistic meant that almost one in three people believe that they don't have a story worth telling. In our passage for today... The Apostle Paul writes to the church in the city of Colossae, to these faithful saints living and working in a pagan world, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Christ Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. And he goes on from there in the part beyond what we read for this morning to talk about whatever you do, whatever God's people do, whether they are husbands or wives or parents or children or servants or managers, whatever you do, do it for the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage, in, first, er, in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, the apostle transforms our very understanding of who we are. The world might make us feel like we're a cog in a machine, but in Christ, we are agents of renewal, working in a world longing to be renewed. The world may make us feel like our stories don't matter, but in Christ, our stories are vital chapters in the story of God's work in this world. The world may make us feel like our work doesn't matter, but in Christ, our work is God's work. Whatever you do. And this is the great irony of Paul's message here in Colossians. Since then, he begins, since then you have been transformed with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, not on things of the earth. And we might at surface value take that to mean that our worldly work is no use to God. At surface value, we might understand that to mean that we ought to give up on worldly work and just do holy work, just do kingdom work. But Paul says the opposite. Setting our hearts on things above doesn't mean that we give up on worldly work, that we don't do the things that need to be done. It doesn't mean that we give up plumbing and street cleaning and banking and food prep and portfolio management. It means that we do those things with a heart, with an eye, with an ear for God's kingdom. It means that we recognize that in Our work, God works through us to care for a world that he is making new. Whatever you do. People of God, this is good news. In Christ, we have been transformed. We have put off our old self with its sinful desires. And we have put on the new self which is Christ. We have put on Christ. It is Christ who lives in us. It is Christ who works through us. It is Christ who gives us gifts. And it is Christ who calls us to do what we can. With the square inch that he has given us of this creation. To bear witness to the coming kingdom. We work in this world as citizens of the kingdom of God. Which is why we understand work differently than the world understands work. We don't work to put food on our table because God puts food on our table. We thank him for it every time we sit down to eat. We don't work to give our lives meaning because God gives our lives meaning. We don't work to earn our place in God's eye. Because Christ has secured our place in God's eye by his work. No. We work in this world as citizens of the kingdom of God. We work hard so that we may share with those in need. We work hard so that our square inch might be a place that points people to the peace and the justice and the shalom of God's coming kingdom. Whatever we do, we do it for Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father through him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, oh Lord our God, we thank you for the gift of work. We thank you that you have created us to do things. We thank you that you gift each of us uniquely to do the task that you have called us to do. And we pray that we would find the space in our lives for stillness, for quiet, so that we may listen for the gentle voice of the Spirit in our hearts revealing to us who you have created us to be. Bless our work, Lord. Establish the work of our hands. Use our offering to you in this life to point people to the coming kingdom where our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will rule in justice and in peace. Bless us, O Lord, we pray that we may bless you. Amen.